Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer, and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place. Before we get started, a quick word about our sponsor, Offer to Close. Offer to Close is a transaction coordinator service helping agents get more transactions from contract to close. Spend less time doing the paperwork and more time on your business. Learn more at OfferToClose.com. If you're listening to the show, then you know tech is changing all industries and fast. The rental property industry is not immune to this at all. And thanks to our sponsor, XBased, for helping us shine a light on all the services and companies out there changing the real estate landscape. Go ahead and learn more at xspaced.com. That's X-S-P-A-C-E-D.com, Xspaced, the future of rentals for landlords and tenants. All right, we've got a great show for you today. We have Yale Fox from the company Rent Logic. Now look, back in school, if you did well in your test, you got an A. If you did pretty well, you got a B. You know, if you really need to start studying stuff, you got to see. And if you totally just drop the ball, you got an F. So why should we stop with just testing scores? Why not grade apartment buildings? And really, that's what Yale is after. Uh, They are a standards uh, rating independent uh, company, and they help bring clarity and transparency to how well buildings are run in the boroughs of New York City. So I'm not going to give away too much of it. Yale's got some fantastic stories and really goes in depth on every single question that we bring up. So uh, why don't you kick back, enjoy the show. Well, hey, Yale, welcome to the show. Glad you could join us. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. For sure. Really appreciate your time. Um, Always love to start off the same way, and that's uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Let them know who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name's Yale Fox. Um, I'm the CEO of RentLogic, and we are a company that essentially grades apartment buildings as A, B, C, or F, so that renters can have a better idea of what they're, um, what of where they're signing a lease, but also so landlords can highlight their product as being better than competitors, and mm-hmm. also so banks and lenders and insurance agencies can understand what they're what they're underwriting um, at the same time. Okay. Now, this is, I mean, there's other sort of building ratings out there, and I'm sure maybe uh, one of those has given you an idea, but I really am curious, how do, you, how do you come to the point where you're saying, hey, people need to know about this type of thing? What was the journey leading you to create RentLogic? Uh, the, the journey was that I ended up in an in a expensive and terrible apartment in the West Village, New York, um, that just, I mean, it, it was, you know, these are $4,000 a month rentals, and it was full of old um, rodents, there was roaches, and just like this is, this is insane that I'm paying this much money for this. Um, the landlord wouldn't fix it after, after fighting with them and, and kind of screaming back and forth. And so I ended up having to go to court. Um, then kind of realized that, you know, for, for cars, we have Carfax, for restaurants, we have Zagat. But for apartments and, and housing in general, what we spend the most money on, um, so for apartments specifically, you've got 80% of millennials in America renting and spending more than 50% of their paycheck on rent in urbanized centers. Um, there's just no real idea of what 
kind of financial relationship you're getting into. Um, there's a wide range, but typically in low transparency industries, the power ends up on the other side of the table. And so we mm -hmm. kind of put this out there as a way of um, helping renters navigate a pretty challenging market. That first off, that experience of living in an apartment building that has visible rodents with a landlord who won't do anything about it is uh, both kind of sickening and that's just incredibly frustrating. Uh, I can I can see why that would lead you to create something out of this. What was the end result of that scenario, by the way? I'm curious how that ended up. So I ended up. This is before I had moved to to New York at the time. I was working for Freakonomics. Um, <clears throat> And uh, I had already cleaned up the mold and all that really existed were like Yelp type reviews about this landlord and, and Yelp reviews are almost always negative anyways. And so um, I ended up pulling all the public information about uh, typically building violations. So if you have mold in your building, the city will come by and issue you and, and, and issue you a ticket and a violation. Um, all this data is actually collected using taxpayer dollars. So as a taxpayer myself, I have a legal right to it under the Freedom of Information Act. And so um, I grabbed all the information and built a statistical model on basically how much uh, or how terrible my, my particular landlord was compared to other landlords um, with similar asset sizes, similar portfolios. Um, and I printed it all off and brought in all this because I wanted to have something credible that I could use to, to show my case, you know. And um, I showed it to the judge and the judge said something along the lines of, uh, first of all, like, welcome to New York. Um, it's a really great place to live. I'm sorry you're going through all this stuff. Um, the, we know exactly who, who Croman is. That was the, the landlord's name. We're seeing four or five cases a week from him. Um, and what you've just handed me, this should be an app. This should be available for anybody else um, online. And that will, um, that, that has the potential to help so many different people in so many different ways. So that's kind of how the company started. Um, I'm, a, I'm a TED fellow, um, so I have a good relationship with the TED office that's in New York, and I showed them this kind of app that I built, and they were all like, this needs to get out there, let's do a story on it. Um, they did a story, it went viral pretty quickly. There, we weren't, this was not a business at the time, this was just me wanting right. to, no one else had to deal with this, so, but I did put an LLC on it, just in case. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> And um, yeah, it, it went live and people were reaching out to us being like, what is this? How do you make money? Can we, can we send you money over PayPal? And I was like, I just put this up <laughs> because I thought it was cool. Um, a year and a half, or actually it was about a year and a half ago, that same landlord went to jail for tenant harassment. And he just got out recently. He's not allowed to manage any of his own buildings. He still owns them, but he's not allowed to have anything to do with the maintenance or upkeep. And that's an, that's an extreme example um, where not a lot of people have to go through exactly what I, what I had to go through. But um, it's all, it all exists on a scale. And just as um, some background information, um, I'm also a landlord in Toronto. Um, and I own a couple properties there with my family. Uh, my family business is a brokerage for 40 years. We do mostly new homes just outside of Toronto, typically for, for new families coming to Canada. Um, and then I'm a renter in New York. And so I've kind of seen all sorts of I've seen this from so many different perspectives. A lot of investors were coming for us. Um, we didn't want to raise any money at, at one point in time because I was just like, I don't know if this is a hobby or just a, a public service type thing. Um, a lot of people think it's something that the city should have been doing anyways, but um, we can get into why 
that, you know, this is, this is a problem that nobody wants to touch. Um, it's unbelievably complicated because there's the business of real estate and there's also the politics of real estate. And uh, they often have conflicting and competing interests and, and oftentimes they get along really well too. So um, one day I just kind of, I printed off a, a more or less a piece of laminated paper that had a big A on it. And I showed it to my landlord. It looked a little bit better. It was like done out of like a nice plastic. And I said, what do you think of this? And she was like, I, I would pay for this right now. Put it up on my building. I'd be so happy to, to just to showcase it. That's kind of how the, how the business started. Um, that was only about a year and a half ago. Wow. And then we spent a lot of time really owning in on the product. Um, I come from the, the AI and ML space, um, artificial intelligence and, and machine learning, where mm -hmm. It's, I hate the way that it's used nowadays because no one is really building anything with AI. Um, it's just a new spin on, on something, but um, everybody's using it, so we might as well too. Um, the, the, yeah, where it's, it's completely, the term, <laughs> even AI and tech is one thing that we're nowhere near, and then if you want to go into real estate tech, it's like, this is already years behind what everyone else is doing, so. <laughs> I use AI every day, it's called predictive text. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's so that would be under the under the machine learning uh, bucket, anyways, which is more in line with what we're doing. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we now we're we're plugged into all the government agencies, and we use public data to generate a a letter grade rating on a building. Um, the 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 publicly available data is the beauty behind this all because it's not someone saying. Uh, this building sucks or this building is great. Yeah, those kinds of reviews are completely subjective. In order for a piece of information to get into our system, there would have to be, say, mold in my apartment. I have to call the city. The city has to send an inspector. The inspector has to say, yes, there's mold or no, there isn't mold. And then it gets into the system. Um, it's pretty hard to gain. And that's just one piece of information. We get mm. 4,000 inspections like that every week, which produces a ton of data. And that goes back four or five years. Um, at the same time, what's important to know is that landlords have biases, tenants are biased as well, and the city is biased. Um, and so our job is to kind of sit in between all three parties and mm -hmm. say, here's the set of standards that we've developed to, to make an A. <clears throat> um, we built the standards using landlords, tenant advocates, policymakers, elected officials, um, insurance companies and banks, and, and a whole bunch of other um, Kind of stakeholders in the space uh and that's what it means to be an a and so if you want to get certified we built all those standards into an iphone app um the the building owner would essentially push a button to place an order and we send an inspector to their building the inspector does not work for for rent logic um it's a third party it's a property appraiser um if you if you wanted to get a loan on your property, the bank would say use one of these companies. It's, it's the same idea. They're engineers. They bill out at at one hundred fifty two hundred dollars an hour. They're licensed by state. Um, they have a strong incentive to tell the truth because if they're caught lying, they lose their license and they can get in a lot of trouble. Um, and they go through and actually inspect the building. We go from the basement to the roof. We go into five percent of the apartments, um, and we're looking for for signs of neglect and wear and tear. Um, you can, it, it, uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. Most of our buildings are not perfect. Um, we, yeah. do, we do some stuff in the luxury space, but our, our sweet spot is really um, the majority of buildings that are 50 to 100 unit walk-ups in, um, in New York, call it like the East Village or Alphabet City neighborhoods. 
where if you're looking at them from the outside, some of these buildings are 100 years old and they should be in the ground, but for, for whatever reason they're not. And uh, you have no way of knowing uh, what, if you're going to move into that building, what's going to happen if there's a problem or if there's a history of problems. Um, because yeah. one thing that the data can tell us is, is patterns. Um, so an example would be, you know, we know a building has a normal amount of problems with it, but an example would be you're driving down the road, um, you're, you're driving on the highway, um, you're speeding and you get a speeding ticket. Does that mean you're a speeder? Not necessarily, but if you're getting a speeding ticket every week, then you would be classified as a speeder. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what we look for. We're not looking at whether there's luxury countertops. Um, we're not looking at, you know, we're not, we're not looking at, we're not looking at whether it's marble countertops or whether it's a luxury or non-luxury building. It's, is there continuous heat and hot water? Uh, does the AC work? Is there, are there pests, rodents, um, kind of things like that. The city has something called the warranty of habitability. There's, there's an equivalent in every city, but it's the minimum legal standard um, of quality that, that a property owner has to comply, uh, comply with. It's pretty easy. Um, but yeah, so that's how it works. And um, we find that th there's a number of different reasons why people purchase um, the licensing. It's kind of like a LEED certification for a building, but LEED is measuring environmental impact. Right. Um, we're measuring operational and, and maintenance quality in, in multifamily. Um, I, I'm gonna I'll, I want to jump in here real quick. There's just so so many things here, but I'll um, first off, fascinating, and to pull this off in New York City, uh, which isn't exactly known as the easiest place to play in real estate, um, I think is amazing, uh, and it what you described as, you know, all these different points of data, having third party inspectors who are also engineers do the inspections. Um, I think it's pretty self evident as to why people wouldn't necessarily just decide to tackle this problem. Cause it, it sounds like a logistical nightmare uh, yeah. to, to pull all that together. There's so much that goes into it. And there's like, we, we have software that looks at our data that we're collecting to make sure that it seems statistically normal. And if there's flat, there's so many checks and balances that go into place just because our whole value is based on our credibility. Um, mm -hmm. So the more fair we are to both parties, then the more value that we have. If we swing too hard, if we, if we favor landlords, tenants don't trust us. If we favor tenants, landlords don't want to work with us. Um, but ultimately, if you think of like what the stereotype is for a New York landlord or a New York real estate broker, um, it's not a positive one. And so over 50% of our clients purchased the, the signage to be, to say, look, I know there's a lot of bad actors in town. I'm, I'm not one of them. Um, right. it's, it's their reputation. It's real estate where reputation is like one of the most important things. And this effectively allows them to, to monetize it in, in an otherwise kind of um, murky market. So, um, you know, I, I doubt that there's anyone out there doing it to this level, but are there other options for building owners then to, get a letter grade or get some sort of verification that says, hey, our building has met this standard? Or there's the best, the, best, the most similar thing to what we're doing is a, is a company that we love. It's called Wired Score. You heard of that by any chance? No. It's, it's wiredscore.com. Um, it's, it's geared towards commercial real estate um, office space. Mm -hmm. And uh, they essentially send someone to the building to measure the speed of the internet connectivity so that you can be gold, silver, or platinum certified, I think is how it works. And so then when you're trying to tenant up the building, one of the first questions they're gonna ask is, you know, what's the internet like in this building? And you can 
you get like a, a one page sheet that, that any IT person in an office can look at and say, yeah, this, this fits our needs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the most similar to what we're doing in the fact that they're a for-profit private startup. Um, they're backed by Fifth Wall, Bessemer, and a whole bunch of, of other great players. Uh, the other closest thing to us is, is LEED certification. And we like to think of ourselves as, as a standards organization like LEED, but we're, we're tech-powered. Yeah. Uh, and and, uh, and we're, we're LEED is, yeah, there, there's a lot of differences for, for stuff like that. Um, what people use now is... You can go on the city's websites, which are impossible to navigate. You need a background in city planning, and they don't show all the right data. It expires after two years, and um, there's no context. So a building could have 10 violations. Is that good or bad? Well, are there 10 units, or are there 1,000 units? Um, it's, mm. it's really hard to understand information, and that's why we try to simplify it as much as possible. Um, and then the other stuff is Yelp, um, Yelp-like services, which I can tell you some of our clients that are a double plus landlords have one or two stars on Yelp because of yeah. the 50,000 people that have lived in their, in their, you know, sometimes hundreds of buildings over the past couple of years, five, 10 people have a bad experience. They're going to put it up on Yelp. Um, that forever harms the property owner's reputation. Um, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't pay to get rid of them. You, you would have to contact the people that, that left the reviews. And a lot of times that they're, they're not going to be changing anything. So, um, yeah. I think even Yelp knows that because uh, in, in a, a few isolated scenarios, I discovered this. Well, actually, a friend of mine discovered this. I don't know if he wants me to out him or not. But uh, we noticed other uh, property management and real estate companies, Yelp adds a, uh, uh, a no index tag to the, uh, the Yelp search listings. Oh. And so they don't come up in search results. So you'll have to look that up for other companies. But uh, and a handful of isolated issues. I think Open Door actually was one of them that we figured out has a no index uh, on their Yelp listing. And I thought that was just fascinating that why would that be the case? Why would they do that to companies? Yelp is a good product in some ways. Like when it came out, Yelp was amazing. It's been, that's the power, that's part of the problem of, of crowdsourcing um, for that kind of information. It works great for, it works better for restaurants, but even then, what if the what if the meal was great but the waiter waiter was having a shitty day and was rude to you? So you, you blast them with one star. Yeah. Then, then you forget about that a few days later. But that business owner has to deal with a one star review for pretty much the the length of their business. Now in our situation, um, if the building has had problems in in the past, that's fine. We we understand that we can't we can't hide that. Transparency is better. It actually sells more people appreciate when they're signing a lease saying, look, there's been some problems in the past. We fixed them. Um, yeah. I mean, if they see a, a pattern, you know, five years ago and suddenly in the last two years has been nothing that indicates work, effort, systems, care. Yeah. So that's kind of, um, that's how we're trying to get people to think about it and, and hmm. sort of to, to change the conversations that are happening around housing and the, and the landlord tenant relationship. Um, I was going to say, what I was going to say, but yeah, there's a lot of um, the, the the whole thing with our system is we don't really control anything. There's so much data that's being generated by different entities every day, and and um, we're just kind of pulling it all together and, and just gathering insights from it. So these buildings that then you guys go out and inspect, you know, they order you to so they, they they go to your website and place an order. Say, hey, we'd like you to give us a letter grade, right? 
Yeah, so every building automatically, there's 1.1 million residential buildings in New York. There's an algorithmically generated grade for every single building. Okay. So some of them, uh, like one of our clients, they've been, they've been an A for five years. We don't have to send an inspector at that point. There's no data that needs to clear up. The algorithm matches the reality. I um, see. This is, I know it won't show up on the podcast, but this is what one of our signs looks like. Okay. I can send you some images too. Um, yeah. But this goes outside a building and, uh, and it gets mounted outside and you can walk up and tap your phone to it and see that the building, it, A, it's broadcasting to the neighborhood that it's a good place to live. Um, it's still new. We'll be in about a thousand buildings by next year. Um, wow. With new, as I'm sure, I'm sure you know, with new advertising units, have the best bang for their buck, like especially when it's early on and, and not everybody's using it. Yep. Um, same with, you know, when Snapchat came out, the, the ads were, were generating a lot of engagement because they were just a new thing. Um, yep. but, I mean, that's just kind of how that industry works. So, um, but we, when we put a sign up in a neighborhood, the neighbors start calling, other people kind of want it. It's another thing is like saying, you know, why do people buy like fancy, clothes or shoes because like they they want to look good or something like that so this is right. the cheapest way to upgrade your building which every property owner is always thinking about um it's a small building like a 10 unit building will be about 250 bucks per year um and a 500 unit building will be about i think three thousand bucks per year so if you sign one lease a week faster in new york city at least with us than not like it's really easy to 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 to, to see um the break-even points on it and uh what we're starting to find out is that they're actually experiencing increased demand um and people are willing to pay a premium to live in buildings that are better just because especially in new york where i mean the average rent here i think is probably around 2800 bucks oh gosh if you're already paying that why not pay 2900 and know that you're probably not gonna have any problems in the building it's it's so minimal at that point I, I couldn't agree more. We, you know, we have rental property in Washington state and, uh, you know, two months ago I, I was having the dilemma of, do we raise rents? I know we're slightly under, but I want to keep the tenants, you know, and the pressure is, well, if we raise rents, you know, we're going to lose our tenants and then we're going to have to go flipping the unit. But, you know, over the course of the last year, you know, we had a leak and I had it fixed the next day, the washer and dryer went, we had new ones installed the next day the water heater went at 10:30 at night and 10:30 the next morning we had a water heater installed and i i rationalized it with like hey i i don't know that they're going to find another landlord in town who can take care of these problems so we we bumped the rents 5% and our tenants didn't hesitate they they said yeah uh, no problem and so i i could absolutely see you know coming to a building where if it's already perceived you know, the clear, like that, that its history has been displayed as you're talking about that, that could be reason enough to justify 50, a hundred bucks more per unit. That, that, that's exactly where this sits in it. Um, you know, we're not, uh, the, the price is so low. It's, it's meant to be like no brainer pricing. We're going for volume. Um, every time we put another sign up, we get calls from the neighbors that want to get them at the, uh, on the flip side too. Like we put, we inspected the building. It, it got an A. We put mm -hmm. Within a couple of days, the tenant emailed us saying, what the hell is this? I live here. The landlord is terrible. They do this and this and this. And, you know, we don't get involved with, with the land. You know, we've gone there. It's met our standards. It's yep. an, that's it. Um, they actually, they emailed it to a bunch of reporters. They, they sent it to a reporter saying, have you seen any more of this fake news for real estate? <laughs> 
who sent it to me. I, it, it one reporter that, that like I, I knew who actually had just done a piece like we went through and did a whole building walkthrough with them being like, this is what we're looking for. Um, you know, no one's right 100% of the time, but we're, we put a lot of different, like the person who inspects the building does not assign yeah. a grade. It gets assigned after the fact, and then it all goes through like an algorithmic review committee. I can't think of any more checks and balances that we put into place. Will we get something wrong someday? Probably, and all we can do right. is apologize and fix things as quickly as we can. Yeah. And often than not though, I'll tell you that like if a landlord in New York is letting us go into their building, and, and, and run through and do this report, I can already tell you they're, they're probably a good landlord. That's almost all the, the information that we need. Um, have you issued any Fs? Have you, has someone ordered a review and you've actually gone out and said, this is a total flop? We did. We had a, a portfolio of really bad buildings and I think they thought it was, oh, I'll just call them and they do some rinky-dink inspection and we get an A. And we were like, look, the, you know, this is not up to our standards. We're not going to blast you for it. Um, but we can't give you an A, and, and that was kind of that. And they, they were like, okay, we, you know, we, we didn't think it was that bad. Um, yeah. But we know we do a, a lot of stuff in the distressed housing markets where mm. um, there's a worry that when in, in distressed neighborhoods, when a building transfers um, or, or flips to a new owner, that they're going to evict the tenants to renovate and raise the rents. Um, there are some, there's different ways of doing that. There's the flash eviction, which is horrible and displaces families and is a, a, a rapid kind of gentrification that causes a ton of damages. And then there's more patient kind of investors um, that will wait for the tenants to move out over time, renovate, re-rent it. Um, yeah. Those landlords that I just mentioned actually call us and they say, look, they're, without an app, like the Fs are where the opportunity is. Um, mm -hmm. we, we don't, you know, you can't, there's not much way of raising it from an A to, you know, from, a, from an already great building. The Fs are where if you're going to invest the capital to improve it, which is good for a lot of things. It's also bad in, in, in some areas, depending on how it's done. But we have landlords that are saying, look, we, we get what you guys are doing. We don't want to be seen as these, these rapid um, kind of flippers that are, that are destabilizing neighborhoods. We actually want to buy the F, put it on the building, let people know there's new owners, introduce ourselves, and, and, patiently wait over over years for, for for properties to turn and some of them never turn and there's nothing you can do about it so we i never in a million years thought anyone would put an f up but there are ones putting f's up um and we have b's too we have a bunch of landlords that are like look I'm, my build, our buildings aren't a's they're not f's and there's a bunch of problems but they're 20 percent or, or sorry they're they're 200 bucks less they're 200 bucks below market than yeah. anything else and that that's at the end of the day, people are picking where they live based on their- I mean, when you, when you shop for a hotel, if you use like Priceline or something like that, you know, you say I want three star only, or you can even shop by two star only. Like people know what they're getting. And I think that's, that's the benefit, right? Is that people know what they're getting. I'll give you another example. We had someone contact us. This is one of our favorite stories. They contacted us off the site. They said, I found this building. It's $2,100 for a, a two bedroom in the East Village, which is like, pretty much unheard of. And she was like, it's in a C-rated building. And it was basically like, am I gonna die? And we were like, look, it's, it's probably like, if you have a problem, you could have to wait a week or two, but it's so cheap, like it's, it's totally up to you. Yeah. Um, we said, here's what we recommend. Like if, if you're, she, she was like, I, this is too good of a deal. Um, we're like, look, when you, when you move in, call your landlord, let them know that you're there, start to establish a good relationship. Um, that's just what the, every owner treats an asset totally differently. There's very different 
There's some that want, will, will, will price themselves below market so it's 0% vacancy all the time. There's some that will try and go 20% above market and they can bear a, a couple more vacant units to try and get certain rents that, that meet their own, whatever it is, that's, that's not for us to get involved in. Mm -hmm. um, now, so she moved into the building and she called the, and everything was fine and things broke and, and they got fixed. And then uh, she ended up being like the favorite tenant from the landlord. And he called us and said, this, I want more tenants like this. Like she's no work, she's nice, she's friendly. She's not coming in with some broker that's saying, this is the best place you're ever gonna live. You should, you should sign here right away. And then there's, it's the mismatch in expectations, which, is, uh -huh. which causes so many problems in life, but with housing, that's already so emotional in general. And so this landlord was like, can you get any more tenants that, that wanna move into a C building? We said, put, it, put a C outside, let's see what happens. And as is fine, like we're going to rig it up so that when, when it comes to our site, we say, look, you're, you should understand that if you're signing a lease in this building, then it might take a little bit longer to get, get things fixed because that's just, that's how it is. So what we're really interested in figuring out is what's the price difference between an A and B and a C. So if I have a C rated building and if I can improve the efficiency to make it a B, how much more money can I make or an A? Um, and so that's, we, we have, we don't have enough information to figure that out yet, but that's when we start to really see like the actual true underlying value that's going to be unlocked in this marketplace. Yeah. Um, and it's just like everything else. Not, not all housing is not created equal. Um, we do stuff, like I said before, in luxury, non-luxury, we have, we do affordable and workforce housing too. Um, ones that get government subsidies and, and tax breaks and stuff like that too, that, um, yeah, so it, it kind of works across the market. Yeah, that is awesome. And I love, I love the fact that, you know, it incentivizes, uh, you know, if you can draw a correlation between the, the letter grade and the rents, then it allows the, the landlord to say, okay, how do we want to manage this and, and go from there. And you know, you said you have about a thousand uh, buildings now. Well, we'll be, so we did a, a year pilot with a hundred buildings. Okay. Uh, about a hundred percent renewals and everyone said that they, they just, the products, for example, that one tenant that I, that I mentioned before that was saying this landlord's terrible. Uh -huh. I ended up cause you know, for our pilots, we, we went and we, we want to know as much as possible. I, I know the whole story between this. This was a tenant that was looking to get a price reduction. Um, and I can tell you earlier that year in the winter, the, 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 the heater blew um, in the basement. This is like a this is like a 1920 building. The the landlord had the heater ready to go. They had an extra one. You need to get a permit from Con Ed, like the utilities companies, and you get a permit from from Department of Buildings. 60 days minimum before anything can happen with the best landlord on the planet. We're hiring expediters to speed things up. It's that's just that's that's the reality of the situation. This landlord gave them rent reductions, gave them space heaters. Said, "I'm sorry, I don't know what else to do." Um, but that's not how a tenant will view the situation. They will say, how can you, they don't know how the business works or anything. They say, how can you, how can you have, how can this happen? How can you be so irresponsible? And they were like, look, like it's the middle of the winter. I'll let you out of your lease. You're paying a, a good rent. You can live anywhere for that much money, but they didn't want to leave. They ended up resigning too. So it's like, but, it, <laughs> and so, but the, the landlord said, been been at eds with this tenant for a year it's not worth their time they want them to leave like they're like we just we can't make you happy um and he said now he said you know there's one tenant saying i'm horrible and i have this sign that says i'm not and that's worth the 300 bucks a year for me like mm, that's a good point so it works in a lot of different ways but ultimately we're trying to facilitate 
equal access to information and fairness in, in what is the most important financial decision of most, definitely of, of all New Yorkers' lives, but most, most, most other people's as well. So Yeah. You know, there's not enough hours in the day to keep up with prospecting, developing new deals, inspections, open houses, just all the paperwork that comes with being a real estate agent. It, it's just overwhelming sometimes. That's why I'm excited that we've partnered up with Offer to Close. Offer to Close is a transaction coordinator service that I believe you've been waiting for. No lengthy contracts with them, no masses overhead, and you only pay when you close deals. Here's how it works. Offer to Close has transaction coordinators that are also licensed agents, so you can have full confidence in who's helping manage your transactions. Offer to Close helps manage your transactions from contract to close, helping you stay focused on your business rather than administrative work. I want you to go ahead, find out more at OfferToClose.com. That's OfferToClose.com, OfferToClose.com. So I'm curious then, you know, you had the pilot program, obviously you've had some growth since then. Well, what's, what's been leading to or driving that growth for you guys? Uh, so it's, it's interesting because we were talking about ads before. Um, we don't, we get nothing out of ads, zero. Landlords just are not clicking in New York. They want people, they're used to people calling them and offering deals. So every time this sign goes up in a neighborhood, this is an ad that hmm. is more than any kind of Google clicks. Um, so how, you know, just by putting it up on the building, that's one of the reasons why we made it so inexpensive too. We get some value out of it as well. And uh, it's 100% word of mouth right now. We did, last year we did 250,000 lookups by around September. Um, this year we are, we are a couple days away from our millionth building, millionth building lookup of the year. Wow. Uh, People use it for different reasons, though. It's, uh, it's not just for finding an apartment. You might already live in the building, and you want to know if the grade changes, if something's going on in another unit that you otherwise wouldn't know about um, that might affect your safety. So, um, it, uh, yeah, so, so that's one thing. We're also we're just rolling out our API to put it's – a, it's a public API where people can put grades on their site. So we have um, – we have some investment platforms that want to take our data so that people can look for buildings that might be um, C I was, yeah. was going to ask you about that because I, I would see this being something that, you know, like a, a LoopNet or Crexy would want on their marketplace. Like, yeah. hey, this building has been individually or independently verified by RentLogic to be an A-rated building. So that's where we're going. that's why we also we're very clearly positioned as a standards organization. We're not getting into the the listing business. We actually we don't want anything to do with the transaction. I don't even really want to put listings on our site. But every every time we get a new client, they're like, "Well, let us just send you our listings anyways." They're not getting you're not getting that Street Easy has ninety percent of the market in New York. That's a Zillow site. You can we'll take your listings like if it if it makes you happy, but. Um, it uh we're not a listing site we don't want anything to do with that transaction our value is based on being a fair party between um between between multiple stakeholders i think that, I think that makes sense so i'm curious though also um so we, we hear what's working for you guys it's the word of mouth you got the sign on the building obviously you have a model that seems to be in demand is there some sort of uh along the way though were there any experiments or strategies that you or things you learned along the way that you realized very quickly, hey, this isn't working and we need to go away from that. Like that's the, the this is the strangest, I've done Starbucks my whole life. I've never, I don't even know how I ended up here today. I'm still in shock. Um, I'll get like Dropbox, one of my, Dropbox is one of my favorite companies. Um, mm -hmm. Hey, you wanna be able to store all your 
file all your files in the cloud for for ten bucks a month. Sure, that sounds great. Or no, I'm you know I'm not interested. That's not how our product works. This is something that was met with a ton of resistance when we started, because I I I, I know it's because um, landlords in general are vilified in the media. There's a couple bad actors, five percent of them that make everybody look bad. Uh, so the knee-jerk reaction for anything like this is, I don't want anything to do with it. Why would I do this? And then usually after a conversation a lot like this, and they figure out what we're doing, and they realize that we're we're not the enemy. We you know we're also not everybody's friend. We're just we're our own thing. It's a, it's a standard. Like you either meet yeah. the standard or you don't. Um, once we get them to read what we're evaluating for, which is still you know it's a hundred or so different kind of points on a checklist that that they can see that's that's wrapped around. If you're not doing this, you are definitely not an A or B building for sure. It's just, you know, there's got to be heat and it's got to be hot water and there can't be pests or anything that can make people sick. You can't be paying for something like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there, the, we were, I would say, not liked when we launched and then we, we were tolerated. <laughs> and, and now it's just like people are saying, look, we're, we're losing business because of you guys we have a we have a C or an F. What can we do? And we say, here's what's going on with the building. And a lot of times, it's something that's been fixed that hasn't been synced up with the city. There's a million different things that can happen. Most operators are pretty good and are trying to do the right thing all the time. Yeah. Uh, but it, we need we need that human touch to verify it before um, before I let my company put a sign on a building. I want to know that at least one multi it's really it's it's dozens of multiple parties that have actually been in the building to, to create this kind of data um but yeah there we want to make sure it's certain um it's foolish to put this kind of blind faith in in big data in in algorithms um there's a woman named kathy o'neill um she wrote weapons of math destruction Have you heard of <laughs> no but now i want to read it it sounds so cheeky she she gave a ted talk and it's just saying you know it's you can't, it's, uh, algorithms are not perfect. We're not even close to anything that's going to be perfect. I don't think they'll be perfect in a hundred years from now. They're, they're meant to be right most of the time. Right. Um, there's no unified godlike truth to everything that they're saying. And so we actually, we hired Kathy to audit our algorithm. Um, huh. she wired magazine did a piece on it. It's, it's one of the world's first voluntary algorithmic audits. And we think that other companies should do it too. Um, and it solved, a, it actually did a ton of weird things too. Um, number one, investors that were looking to do due diligence in our company, there's no technical due diligence. We've got a world famous mathematician who looked at it and said, this is, this is good. Um, and uh, we also market that to the public. We say, look, is, is, that a, is that a pro tip for all those other startup founders out there to uh, hire a world-class mathematician to audit their algorithm? I think it's depending on what you're doing. Um, if it's an internal algorithm that that's doing something, then then you don't really need to. Ours is pretty public facing. It's super emotional. We had landlords saying, "You gave me a C. I'm an A. You don't know what you're talking about." Right. And we're like, "All right, fine. Like, we'll get it audited. Um, and if there's problems, we'll fix them. And, and that's it. And that's we're super responsive. The, the flip side to what we're doing is in in New York City alone." You're like two years away from this being done by the city. The city grades restaurants, um, A, B, or C. Do they do that where you live? Uh, no. Well, not that I'm aware of. I mean, maybe by health code, but not outside of that. I'm not aware of any grading systems around this way in Nashville. It's, it's, it's health code in New York City. Every, every restaurant has to 
get graded and display a letter grade. So you display mm -hmm. an A or a B, and if it's a C, people typically don't don't end up eating there. Um, and yeah. that that's an imperfect system, but because people know that they're regulated, they change their behavior. And the the, the restaurant lobby fought this, you know, tooth and nail when it was starting. They said this was gonna if you're gonna start inspecting restaurants, it's you know people it's it's red tape and it's um, it's gonna drive up the cost of steaks and it's gonna be bad for the consumer. None of that happened. All that happened was foodborne illness, as reported in hospitals, plummeted by like 80%. Um, so, and everyone's actually happier. And New York is the, probably one of the most thriving food scenes in the world. And uh, that's it. So um, I don't think that works for housing. You know, there's 20,000 restaurants in New York City. There's 1 million places to live in New York City. It can't be done by people. It has to be a combination of, of humans and machines working together. Mm. So... Um, and if the city were to do something like this, um, which trust me, they, they don't want to do, it, it would be such a shit show for so many different reasons and would take <laughs> years to regulate. And there's definitely, there's no, there's, there's less of a political will to do something like this when New York is one of the most tenant friendly cities and tenants represent voters, property owners represent donors, um, typically. So there's a lot of reasons why, and it's just, it is a, the, you know, it's a lot of empathy for people working for the city. It is a giant complaint box <laughs> at times, and that's kind of what we're becoming. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. That's our, that's our business. You know, we, that's what we signed up for. Yeah. Uh, but if the city does this, then it's regulation, then it's red tape, then it's going to be serious kind of problems and, and bigger consequences. Whereas now, if you're already doing a good job, you just have to call us and, and do the inspection, put the A on your building, and you get all the benefits of, of having something like that with, with none of the drawbacks. So we think we found kind of a different model for the public and private sector to, to interact um, in the nonprofit sector as well. So um, that's, that's the direction that we're kind of heading in and what we're excited about. That's awesome. I have, I have two more questions, and then I have a comment. The first, I'll start with my comment first. And this is, uh, we're changing up a little bit of direction first. I love on the fact, uh, on your website, I love the, the social proof of uh, someone just looked up and fill in the blank website. You know, I'm looking at it right now. And, and just the color coding, um, it, it's just so brilliant. I, I just, little touches like that show a lot of attention to detail. Uh, I think in how you guys choose to display what you're doing and, and how active it's being leveraged and utilized. I think that's pretty cool. Um, so that, that's my comment. I just, I think it's really neat on the site. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that was a huge hit and we're, we haven't rolled it out yet, but we're putting, when you look up a building, it's going to show you how many times the building has been viewed as well. So you can see if, um, what's going on with it. So it's the same idea. It's the social proof. It's, um, and it's also just transparency, which is where you can't tell me that every industry is becoming more and more transparent. You can't tell me that it's going the other way. Yeah. Uh, I do want to know why is there no letter D? People were confused in our testing because there's only ABC in New York City restaurants, and that's where we are right now. So mm. if we went, I can tell you, like in Toronto, which is one of our next markets, um, it's pass fail for restaurants. So we would look at something like that. Um, is this a pass fail building, um, or is it an ABC? We might we might stick with it, but uh, but yeah, D's got got left out. Yeah, they could just be like, "Don't rent here if you want quality," and then. <laughs> Each one of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, no, that, and I, I think that that's, that's pretty cool. And then um, I wanted to touch on this one. So uh, first, congratulations. You guys just wrapped up 
uh, some funding. Uh, I wanted to know, could you share a little bit more about uh, how much have you guys raised and what are the plans uh, for you guys to uh, use those funds towards? So the, we just announced it recently. It was uh, 2.4 uh, million. Mm -hmm. uh, what a great set of investors. Edgar Bronfman Jr. is one of them. Uh, he runs in Creative and Endeavor, which are both social impact uh, investing type, um, I guess you can call them entities or vehicles. Mm -hmm. uh, he was, he's been probably our, one of our strongest supporters, if not our strongest supporter to date. Um, just got what we were doing right away. He's a lifelong New Yorker. He's very well known around here. Um, so it's a big endorsement from him as well. Um, BMW Mini and Urban Us. Uh, BMW Mini, a lot of people don't know this, is one of the largest landlords in Europe. And uh, they are doing a ton of work in the smart city space, which is um, it's immature right now. And as companies change over time, I think in a few years, that's the rent logic is, is actually or we get grouped into real estate tech all the time, but that's not really where I think we belong. Um, you know, we're, I mean, you are on the real estate and tech show. Yeah. That's, that's, that's <laughs> there's going to be some, some blurred lines between that and, uh, and the smart cities movement. Um, we have, and we're rolling out in a couple of weeks, which will be exciting too, a platform where you can um, type in any neighborhood, or if you're a city councilor um, or a council member, you can type in your district and see instantly what the housing is like for your constituents. Um, so it's a, government, it's a government product. You can also, you can view um, where public housing is. We don't have access to that data. We can see, you can view which banks are lending in which communities. Um, and uh, so if you're JP Morgan, you can come on our site and click um, Bank of America and see what loans they did that week or that day or something like that. Um, Interesting. So it's actually what this does is it's a natural sort of way of, of changing incentives in a marketplace and making people want to be A's and making people want to change their behavior. So what I think this actually is, is it's a, it's a, it's a way for cities to, to put their housing enforcement on autopilot and it doesn't cost them any money because it's a free market solution. Um, and in certain cases, like I can tell you in New York, there's about a thousand buildings in New York that are really, really bad and need some sort of intervention. Mm -hmm. Instead of spending, the city spends about $500 million a year um, on, that's the damages that are incurred by, by some of the, the really bad actors. Oh, you wow. say no, that, that, that's just, I mean, that's a lot of money. So that you, it's important for them to know where to direct their resources. So if you're an A in our system, you're not going to light up. You can just go on and operate your business normally. There's, you won't, there's no change, almost no change in behavior. Um, with the data is already being collected through 311 systems, but if you're an F, then the city can, t can use less money and deploy it more efficiently to help, pe to help the people that live in those sort of communities. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of, it, there's a lot of blurred lines. There's definitely a real estate component to it as well. Um, we have private equity firms that are, that are purchasing our data and, and using it for all sorts of different reasons too. Um, but what, you know, um, so, so yeah, so that was the last funding round. We're doing another one, um, probably within the next quarter or two, we're just starting to go out to the market um, to start to put this into other cities. Because one thing that people misunderestimate or, 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 um, or, or underestimate is uh, if we could deploy the same solution in LA, San Francisco, Toronto, and cities around the world, when, when there's a problem, housing is regulated um, for sure. So when cities, want, when cities roll out new policy, 
as a way to, to make things better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to know if it's going to work or not. You know, it usually if there's a problem with the policy, it takes years to unfold and it's usually permanent and irreparable. So mm-hmm. if we can connect all this information from cities and say, hey, here's something that London did that's really interesting. Hey, New York, have you guys ever thought of this? And it's just putting an idea in their head, but we can actually like kind of cross pollinate, pollinate information from different markets and come up with different, with different solutions to, to problems that exist today and problems that, that don't exist yet, um, but will soon. So, Well, that, that's all we have uh, for today. Um, we'll save some questions for the next time we talk. Gail, I really do really appreciate this conversation. I think um, what you guys are working on is, is absolutely not a simple task. Uh, and to pull it off in New York, I think says a lot to, uh, about your commitment and, uh, obviously some, uh, some of the brains behind the technology you guys are leveraging. And so I think it's really cool before we sign off, uh, I want to give you an opportunity. How can people connect further with you and how can they go and learn more about RentLogic? Um, so best way to do it is just rentlogic.com. Um, you can hit the, there's a chat button on the site. Um, you can ask to speak with me. I actually read everything that comes through there. You can also email me directly. It's email me directly. It's Yale, Y-A-L-E dot Fox at uh, rentlogic.com. Perfect. Well, thank Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. And then for those listening in, make sure you check it out, rentlogic.com, uh, and, uh, see what they're doing, especially if you're in New York, look up your own building, <laughs> see what it rates. And uh, uh, yeah, until then, we'll see you guys on the next episode. And thanks so much. Great. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Nest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list. You never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, Go to the App Store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.